right, hello, and welcome to a very special episode of the Fourth Runner Podcast. I am Alan here to host this episode and to discuss some Star Wars with everyone. Now, the two shows we will be discussing this episode are Tales of the Jedi and Andor. Uh, just a brief uh, description of both. Uh, Tales of the Jedi is a animation-style show. It's uh, kind of like an anthology series, if you want to call it that. Um, so far, they've only highlighted two Star Wars characters, um, Ahsoka Tano and Count Dooku. Um, there were six episodes this past season, I believe, this first season. Um, three for Ahsoka, three for Count Dooku. And I enjoyed all of them. Um, some more than others, but uh, overall, I enjoyed all of them. Um, so getting into it, uh, let's just dive right into it. Um, so it starts off the first episode with um, Ahsoka's birth. Um, shows briefly, well, the whole episode features her parents, um, mainly her mother. Uh, from her birth to when she's about one years old. That's a totally a guess. I don't even know if she's one or not. But she's a baby. Uh, right before she gets taken by, or taken to the Jedi Temple on Coruscant. So, uh, my thoughts, um, I guess we can split them up between Ahsoka's story and Count Dooku's story. So I guess we'll start with Ahsoka since, you know, first episode. Um, overall, I really enjoyed it. Um, I feel like, for, at least for Ahsoka, being, uh, you know, si- since a lot of her story was highlighted, well, I guess all of her story was highlighted in the past Clone Wars show and eventually in her own series, which will release, I want to say, next year. Uh, I just looked, and uh, it's actually February, well, actually March 12th of 2023. So, early next year, that's when her solo series, live-action series, will release, featuring um, Rosario Dawson as Ahsoka Tano. And we saw a little bit of Rosario as Ahsoka on um, the Mandalorian series. Uh, Last season of Mandalorian, she was in a handful of episodes. I believe she was in book of Boba Fett as well for an episode when we actually got to see her and Luke interact which was very cool so like I said a lot of her story at least her early years were featured in the Clone Wars series so uh, between her and Count Dooku I guess I was more excited to see Count Dooku's backstory because I mean obviously we only know you know, we only know him from the movies, Clone Wars. Um, I haven't read any of the books, so I'm not even going to speak on the books. But like I said, I haven't heard much. I, you know, I know he was, of course, formerly a Jedi and he eventually turned. But I never knew how he turned, when he turned, any of that. So we'll get back on Captain. But Ahsoka, um, like I said, her first episode features her birth. And up until, I'll say, no more than one years old. Um, to kind of briefly um, get through it. Uh, so she's born um, after another, a year. 
her mother takes her out on a hunting trip, I guess you want to call it a hunt, to go hunt. Um, the hunt goes well, uh, she gets a kill, uh, as she's collecting the kill, a predator uh, pulls up on him, and eventually Ahsoka is taken away by the creature uh, to the, its lair, and you know, all is lost, everybody thinks she's dead, and then um, this is where we first get to see Ahsoka use the force for the first time. And it's uh, one of those tricks where she connects with an animal or alien, alien, whatever you want to call it. And uh, she connects with that animal on a, I guess, a spiritual level through the force. And she actually gets it to not, you know, not eat her. <laughs> I guess long story short, uh, it was about to eat her. And then she used the force in order to um, connect with it. Uh, after that, uh, she actually gains control of the animal and at uh, back at the village where, you know, everybody's worried sick about her and about to go out and search for her. And we can see the animal <laughs> walking back towards the village with Ahsoka on top of it. So it's, it was a great scene to see how young she was when she first awakened her force powers. And it was cool to see, you know, how how strong she was I guess you can say early on or you know that instinct because I, I I know it doesn't I guess the force powers don't show up around the same age for everyone so it was cool to see at such a young age her pull off something pretty pretty good you know uh as we continue on on to well okay oh I'm sorry I skipped one part uh as she's returned to her village, um, that's when the village elder put two and two together and this was like, you know, this girl here is a Jedi. Um, pretty much we gotta get rid of her. <laughs> you gotta give her up. I mean, that was pretty much it. And it was uh, at first episode. It just makes me feel like that these Jedi and younglings are taken from their family at such a young age. Like Ahsoka was couldn't even talk when she was taken from her um from her family or at least at the end of the first episode where you know when they found out she was a jedi so it just you know highlights what age some of these kids are taken from their families and for some that could be that could be at age one like ahsoka or it could be older like anakin anakin uh, I can't remember off the top of the head how old he was. He couldn't have been more than 10, you know, when he was uh, gone. Uh, of course, he was a little bit older for the Jedi's liking, but he was still taken in as a Padawan. Um, but like I said, it, 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 I like the way they highlighted, you know, her past. And it wasn't as, you know, interesting or exciting as the other episodes, but it definitely served as a cool little origin story for one of um, the more popular Jedi in Star Wars, at least in my opinion. Uh, Ahsoka has been, I feel like she's been an up and down character as far as Star Wars goes. When it first started out, you know, she was a little bit shaky as a character. I'm pretty sure not a whole bunch of people really gravitated towards her. But as the Clone Wars kind of went on, I'm pretty sure, at least I, for me, I grew to like her as a character, and she's definitely um, one of uh, my favorites. Uh, 
in the Clone Wars series. Uh, for the next episode featuring Ahsoka, we skip forward to a little bit after the Clone Wars started. Um, now that one is called Practice Makes Perfect. The first episode name was called, I have it right here in front of my face, it was called Life and Death. And this episode, second episode featuring Ahsoka is called Practice Makes Perfect. And in this episode, like I said, it's a little bit after the beginning of Clone Wars. Um, Anakin and Ahsoka have just been assigned to each other as Padawan and Master. And um, it starts out with Ahsoka in front of Obi-Wan, Yoda, some other Jedi um, doing a little training. Uh, battle simulation uh, against some uh, training droids, you know, little balls that be flying through the air, shooting out lasers, and you have to, you know, deflect and destroy them. Uh, she pretty much completed the training exercise flawlessly. Um, definitely showed off her skill as a Jedi and her potential. Uh, everybody seemed pleased except Anakin. Uh, Anakin comes in late, but he he watches show you know sees her finish the training and afterwards he tells her that that training it was sort of outdated if you will and it doesn't really push the trainee to the limit or it doesn't really showcase how an actual battle will go because as he tells Ahsoka that not every you're not going to be fighting droids all the time you know droids can be predictable they have their own codes whatever programming you know they're slow but they're not you're not always going to be fighting droids and he couldn't be more right because at the end spoiler alert for those who have not seen the end of clone wars the end of clone wars ends on well obviously ends on order 66 and Ahsoka is caught in the middle of Order 66 and is pretty much up against a bunch of clones. So this future training, well, this training that Anakin is about to put Ahsoka through, I think it saved her life. And without that training, she would have died by the hands of the clones after Order 66. And we wouldn't have this awesome character for the future, you know, to guide um, all these other characters um, in the future of Star Wars. So, in order to get this, in order to train her the way Anakin wants, he sets up um, a little training exercise where um, clone troopers from the 501st, you know, uh, Rex and um, <clears throat> all the other clones we know and love from the Clone Wars uh, movie and show. All those guys, they, they were here on the hangar and they're all, you know, ready to help Ahsoka train. So the way the training goes is that all their blasters, the clone troopers blasters, there's about 15 of them in a circle. Ahsoka's in the middle and they're all, all their blasters are set to stun. So of course, you know, they're not going <laughs> to hurt her seriously. And her job is to pretty much last as long as she can while they're opening up on her. Um, it takes hours. I mean, you couldn't even say hours. You'd probably say days, weeks, because um, there's a time jump from the beginning of her training to when she completed her training, or at least gotten to the point where he's 
he feels like she's ready to defend herself properly against non-droid uh, enemies. So, um, of course, at first, she fails miserably. She only lasts seconds. Um, gets knocked out for like an hour. Anakin wakes her up, tells her to get back up, and let's go again, you know? And this process repeats for hours, and like I said, it repeats for years. It feels like, at least, you know, based on the time jump, the way they look, his hair gets longer, she changed her lightsabers, she gear, she goes from one to two, and all that. So, um, as this training goes on, you know, she gets better and better, and eventually she gets to the point where she can hold her own against the 501st, or at least these, this, these guys, um, while defending herself. And, uh, the, the final scene... Uh, she she completes her training. Anakin walks up to her, tells her how you know she's she's done, she's done good and all that. And um, then we flip the switch to uh, the I guess you can say the last episode of Clone Wars, to where uh, her and Rex are trying to escape all the other clones that are um, brainwashed by um, or I guess reprogrammed by Order sixty six. And they're they they're walking into the hangar with a whole battalion full of clone troopers aimed at them, and we never get to see that fight. But we of course we assume that she gets out of there alive with the help of that training that Anakin put her through. So I love this episode. Um, it shows how much Anakin wanted to her to be the best she could be. How he really cared for her, in order, you know, as much as to put her through some tough, hard training in order to just to you know see her through the war make her you know because he knew i mean of course he knew like he wasn't always going to be there to protect her so he he even said the best way that he can protect her is that is this training that he can give her in order for you know the best way for her to protect herself is for her to be trained up and you know to be able to do it her on her own because he's not always going to be there to protect her and uh, it also really highlighted their relationship. Um, of course, we all know that Anakin eventually turns to the dark side and becomes Darth Vader. Um, spoiler alert, I guess I was spoiled by this. Um, by, by the animation show Rebels, Star Wars Rebels, uh, Soka is featured in it as, of course, older, and she goes up against Darth Vader. Uh, it doesn't end well for Ahsoka. Um, some things happen. Uh, I haven't watched the series myself, but I, you know, of course, I've heard what happens. So, and uh, it didn't end well for her. But she, I, I think she was. Uh, she at the end of the the day, she survived. So, it kind of cements. I, it's curious. I'm curious as to where the live action Ahsoka series is gonna start off. Is it gonna show a little bit of the Darth Vader fight or is it gonna just hop right into afterwards, you know, after the fall of the Empire and all that? So that will be interesting to see. Um, in the final episode of uh, Ahsoka's story on this season of Tales of the Jedi, um, it starts off immediately after Padme's death, actually at her funeral. Uh, we and we saw a little bit of this funeral um, at the end of uh, Revenge of the Sith. Uh, of course, you know all they were there. Jar Jar was there, and all the senators and all that were there. Um, but what we didn't see, of course, because Ahsoka wasn't in the live-action movies, 
we see that Ahsoka was at the funeral. She snuck in there uh, dressed in her cloak to where no one could recognize her and she was in attendance. Um, Bail Organa was there as well. For those who don't know who Bail Organa is, um, he is Leia, um, Leia's adoptive father. He was featured in, well, he's, he was in all of the prequel, uh, he was in the prequel trilogy as well. And um, also he was in the Obi-Wan series to where we see a little bit of a uh, young Leia and their relationship, which was cool to see. Um, like I said, Bail Organa was there and he spot, he's the first one to spot Ahsoka. He walks up to her, you know, meets her in private, tells her he shouldn't be here, it's too dangerous, all that stuff. And um, Ahsoka pretty much tells him like, I'm here because she was my friend. And she was, you know, the relationship with Ahsoka, Padme, um, and Anakin, that relationship was very close. Um, of course, Ahsoka was probably one of the few who knew about Padme's and Anakin's relationship. Um, I don't know if you can hear my dog, but um, some of the few were... Obi-Wan for sure, I know, um, Ahsoka, I want to say Yoda had a little bit of a, an idea of what was going on, but, you know, of course, didn't speak on it, honestly, I feel like the whole Jedi Council knew, <laughs> but, you know, they had a little bit more pressing matters to it than you, well, not the whole, because I know if Mace would have found out, he would have shut all that shit down, but, um, yeah, so she, you know, friends, that's why she was at the funeral, and, um, he tells her that, you know, you should go in hiding. Or actually, he wants her to help fight, you know. At least help uh, help fight the Empire, the Rising Empire at the time. And uh, her answer is no. She tells them that she's done fighting. Especially at this time, she thinks she's lost Padme. She doesn't know about Darth Vader. So she assumes that Anakin was killed. So she, at this point, she's lost everybody. Like the whole Jedi Order is gone. Every Jedi that she called friend or considered family maybe is gone. She is dead, either dead or gone. So at this point, she's done. You know, she wants to go into hiding, live out her life in peace, and forget. I guess forget everything. Um, and that's exactly what she does. She becomes a farmer. Um, hiding out on some distant planet with some other people um but of course that that life being a jedi it catches up to you you know it's hard to be a former jedi and stand by and let you know innocence be hurt killed or whatever so of course you know you know she was going to get pulled back into the life and um this happens when uh, some of the farmers that she's working with uh, is a brother and a sister. I don't remember the names out of the top of my head, but um, the brother, the sister finds out, okay, this, <laughs> and when we first see her farming and all that, you know, everything's going well, and um, the brother and sister are loading the hay onto the truck, or whatever you're going to call it, the lift. Uh, something happened, the lift tips over all the hay is about to come down and crush the sister ahsoka sees this uses the force to save her and that's when the sister notices that 
and puts two and together, two and two together, and finds out, you know, and says, "Oh, she's definitely a Jedi." Um, so in private, they talk. Her and the, Ahsoka and the sister talk, and she's like, "Oh, thank you for saving me, Master Jedi." And um, Ahsoka's like, "Oh, keep your mouth shut, <laughs> you know, hush the hush." Um, meanwhile, her brother, the brother, overhears the conversation, and he's no friend of the Jedi. He's more sympathetic to the Empire. So he rats out Ahsoka to the Inquisitors, and that's where we—that's when we see this badass-looking Inquisitor. Like a, he looks like a spooky bird-like character, and he looks really cool. Unfortunately, he pretty much destroys the whole farm. I don't know how many he kills, but he definitely puts down some people. And he's holding the brother, sister, and one other guy hostage. You know trying to figure out where Ahsoka is you know and of course Ahsoka being the noble Jedi she is she's not gonna let you know sit by stand by and let innocence die because of her so she finally reveals herself and this Inquisitor says something interesting he was like um I thought you were dead to Ahsoka now, I mean, of course he thought she was dead. I mean, a lot of the Jedi should be dead. Um, at the end of Clone Wars, it's kind of assumed she's dead um, because she leaves her lightsaber at the crash site of a um, cruiser, Republic cruiser uh, battleship that um, Darth Vader finds her lightsaber years later, so I guess he just puts out and assumes that she's dead after finding her lightsabers. Um, but, you know, of course, in the hiding. So, he says, you know, I thought you were dead and all that. Um, he immediately recognizes her. So, it kind of makes me wonder if he used to be a Jedi and he knew her at one point in time, which would be cool to explore, but... As you're about to find, as you're all about to find out, uh, he only lasts about five seconds in this fight. When I say Ahsoka cleans him up so quick, he literally deflects his attack, takes his own lightsaber, and slight take, takes his head off, and all in about five seconds. One of the quickest fights ever. Um, it was awesome. Like I, I wish, I do wish it would have lasted longer just to see a good lightsaber fight. But just the way she handled it, it, it was awesome. I have no complaints. Uh, after wiping up that Inquisitor, uh, she finally she calls Bail to pick up the survivors of the attack, and that's when she tells him that she's ready to join the rebellion and fight the Empire. And I'm hoping that's where the Ahsoka live-action series will pick up. Um, I'd like to see her, you know, in, in the beginnings of the Rebellion to see how she does. But the way um, she was in Mandalorian, she was trying to find out where Admiral Thrawn is. And he's a very popular character from the books I believe in probably some games or whatever and he doesn't show well he's been around the empire but he's one of the he's an, uh, chosen as the successor to the empire I believe once the emperor dies once <laughs> for the first time and Darth Vader is gone so he's the one that leads the empire 
I'm assuming he leads them into the new um, new order, uh, first order. So I'm, I'm assuming that it kind of blends into that eventually. So it'll be interesting to see him and Ahsoka, Odor, and all that. I was uh, listening to um, another Star Wars podcast called Rebel Rebel Force Radio. Very interesting. Uh, very good. Definitely one if you're really into Star Wars like me and you just want to hear some other opinions, some other uh, news, uh, Star Wars news information, all that stuff. They, they provide it and... Uh, this past episode I was listening to, they were talking about how um, this new Ahsoka series will be like a samurai ronin type story, which I love the sound of that. I would love to see her just wandering about, you know, doing things to help the rebellion, defeat the empire, even if it's after the first Galactic Civil War. You know, just to see her experiences, you know, throughout that and um, leading up to her meeting, um, I guess, Mando and the Grogu. That would be dope to see. So maybe she she might run into other you know, very important characters as well, as well. So we already know she's going to meet up with Luke eventually and, you know, uh, after meeting Mando. So that would be dope to see. You know, maybe we get to see their first interaction, you know, stuff like that. So. It would be very interesting to see. Cannot wait for us, the Ahsoka series dropping uh, in March of next year. And um, that is it for Ahsoka's story. At least in Tales of the Jedi. Now, we move on to Count Dooku. And as I said before, Count Dooku's character was one that I was really interested to get the backstory on because we only get to really see him from the um, Attack of the Clones, Revenge of the Sith, as well as the Clone Wars animated series. So, Count Dooku's first episode is titled Justice. And this episode immediately puts you into the prequel vibes. And for one reason only, we get Qui-Gon Jinn again. He, they, they brought back Qui-Gon Jinn, a younger version for this episode. Obviously because Count Dooku is, oh well, yeah, Jedi Master Dooku at the time was Qui-Gon Jinn's um, master which um, connects like the family tree I guess you want to call it the Jedi tree from Master to Padawan is from Count Dooku's I guess you could say is huge and very important Um, you got Count Dooku who's master who mastered Qui-Gon who mastered Obi-Wan who mastered Anakin who mastered Ahsoka and then eventually maybe Grogu for a minute for a time then well then you had Obi-Wan mastered Luke who Leia then Rey then possibly Finn it's like I said starting even before because I believe um I could be wrong but Yoda was Count Dooku's master as well so even starting with Yoda like that whole Jedi tree from master to apprentice was is probably the housed like 
pretty much majority of the more important or popular Jedi and Sith and you know in the Star Wars universe so this episode starts off with um Dooku and Qui-Gon are sent to a planet to retrieve a senator's kidnapped son um let me start by saying off that uh this uh Count Dooku's story really highlights the flaws of the Jedi and how they they're considered pretty much lapdogs to the Senate to where you know they pretty much are sent out to do their dirty work they don't really you know their their whole Jedi's code is to uphold justice and everything like that but during Dooku's time as a Jedi at least towards the end of his time as a Jedi he grew very very angry with the Jedi Council because he felt like they were just like I said just lapdogs to the Senate to where all they were just here to do was to keep things in order not really help you know they're not really doing much to improve things just to keep them how they were and his whole thing was he thought the Jedi were there to make things better you know keep peace but it turns out at least his experiences they weren't doing any of that um so it was interesting to see the relationship between Qui-Gon and Dooku mainly because it really felt like they had a father-son relationship in a way and they you don't really hear about it in the movies I don't know about the Clone Wars because I've seen I've seen most of the Clone Wars animated but there are spots you know a lot of the Dooku um, episodes where he was featured a lot I haven't seen admittedly which I probably should get back on it I'm over here talking about it but um from what I've seen of Dooku he didn't really talk about Qui-Gon too much except when he in the live action Attack of the Clones movie when he had captured uh, Obi-Wan he brought up Qui-Gon briefly saying um he wished Qui-Gon was here or maybe you know to, something to that nature like uh, uh, he would understand or what to do or something like that um that really spoke on how close they were but only briefly so you didn't really know until you watched this series of their experiences together and all that um so as this, the episode goes on the he finds out that the person they they're sent to retrieve the senator's kidnapped son and the people who kidnapped the senator's son were these town folks who were starving and being abused by the senator himself um, starving, poor, you know, barely living. Um, so they decided to kidnap the senator's son just to, you know, get some change going. And um, once Dooku realizes this, he uh, he defends the townsfolks um, against the senator. The senator comes, pulls up, he's like, "Where's my son?" He brings his his boys, and it's pretty much a standoff between the townsfolks and the senator's people. And senator's there as well with his air guns are drawn eventually leads to a shootout um at one point it was looking pretty bad for the townsfolks and that's when dooku reaches deep down into his dark side um force chokes the senator meanwhile while knocking out his men 
in order to um, stop the fighting. And, you know, he was eventually going to kill the senator until Qui-Gon jumped in and intervened. So even that episode, we, we get, you know, a glimpse of Dooku's fall to the dark side and why he took those steps to fall, I guess you could say. Um, he, he, he had good intentions. I, I guess we all do, or they all have good intentions in a way. Maybe the way they went about him was wrong, but as you'll see, as I continue talking about Dooku's story, you'll see that he started out wanting to do good, you know, and eventually he just, just succumbed to the dark side. Um, but yeah, that episode justice ends with, um, Count Dooku telling Qui-Gon how wise he was and thanking him for stopping him before he did something that he would regret eventually. But we all know that his eventual turn to the dark side will happen. So Qui-Gon stopping him in that moment was only just... Like I, like I said, stopping him in that moment. It was eventually going to happen. His turn. Uh, the next episode where Dooku is featured is called Choices. I enjoyed this episode as well because it had one of my other favorite Jedi, Mace Windu, in it. Um, a younger version of Mace Windu, obviously. Um, and this one, he, uh, Dooku and Mace are set out to investigate a mysterious death of one of their own. So a fellow Jedi has been killed and they're out to investigate what happened. Um, to make a long story short, they come to find out that their fallen Jedi um, sister was betrayed by the, the people who she was sent to protect in a way. Um, there was a group of two couple guys who were pretty much... I, it was the senator's guards. The senator's guards were pretty much fed up with the senate. Felt like the Jedi weren't doing the job. The senate didn't care about the people, the common folk. You know, you gotta understand that during this time, there's a lot of poverty going on. Senate, there's a lot of senators really just sitting back, going fat and getting, you know, keeping their money while they're the common folk are starving. So it's a lot of. Uh, political unrest and that that's probably one of the reasons why the separatists kind of move to war you know it's, it's a lot of it's both sides to each coin i guess you know at the end of the day separatists were i guess you could say the bad guys because they were backed by the emperor palpatine and all that but there were some people who genuinely just were oppressed and wanted to break away so um after some investigating, we find out what happened, why she was killed, all of that. Um, once again, Dooku is left to defend himself, to defend his life, because he, he and Windu are attacked by two others, well, a group of uh, guards from the senator. The senator's dead at this point, the guards killed the senator, and they're attacking, you know, Dooku and Windu. Um, and this is when. Dooku makes another kind of jump to the dark side. He oversteps, according to Windu. Um, 
he takes he makes an attempt to uh, attack one of the um, actually yeah he makes an attempt to uh, attack one of the guards that are attacking them I guess in a way that wasn't didn't sit well with Windu it go to, it went against the Jedi way even though Windu killed a guy <laughs> during that fight it, it, the way he took it it looked like that was his first kill but um it's just the way Dooku went about it. I guess he used fear or something to manipulate that person or whatever, threaten them. Not Jedi-like. Um, this causes Windu, Windu, let me start by saying Windu is very by the book. That is shown early on, Phantom of the Menace, when he rejects Anakin as a kid because he's too young. And it goes on from attacking clones, Risen Sith, even the Clone Wars animated show. Dooku, I mean, Windu is just that guy who's just by the book, you know, he's faithful to the Jedi Order, which I respect, you know. He's still one of my favorite characters, even though he's a tight ass some of the times, you know, but so he, uh, like I said, Dooku kind of steps out of bounds, out of line, you know, doesn't go by the book according to the Jedi. And Windu tells the council this at the end of the mission. Uh... And uh, as a result, Dooku is passed over as a member of the High Council in favor of Windu. So we get to see how and why Windu is placed on the Jedi Council. Um, and this also is just another step of how um, Dooku just slips into the dark side. And now that I'm thinking about it, this is one of the reasons why Anakin was... Um, kind of went towards the dark side a little bit because he himself was passed up as a, a member of the council. Um, after years of service, proving he was one of the best Jedi out there, he was passed up because of um, his connection to the uh, Senator Palatine. He was seeing, he seemed like he was too close to the ch chancellor, that's the Senator ch Chancellor. Uh, Palpatine, he seemed like he was too close to him and that relationship kind of they didn't see it as something that someone who is a part of the council should have that relationship so he got passed up so I thought that was a interesting little piece of information that both Dooku and Anakin were passed off, you know passed over as a member of the high council um and the, the the episode that episode ends off right there after Dooku finds out that he was passed up, and um, of course he doesn't like it. it you know, it, he felt like he deserved it, which you know maybe he did. You know, I, I feel like I've never really. I, of course, I'm a Jedi guy, you know, <laughs> but it's obvious that the Jedi were flawed in a way, and that led to their downfall. And it kind of. Some of the guys, you know, Dooku, Anakin, um, even probably some of, you know, Obi-Wan, Yoda, even those guys, they probably knew that the Jedi were flawed, and, you know, it's just, I don't know, it's just their set of rules and all that, it, it led to their downfall, I feel like. Alright, in the third and final episode of Dooku's, what was it, the third and final Yes, the third and final episode of Dooku's story. This one um, definitely taps into the 
pretty cool vibe because it takes place during the Phantom Menace um, episode one. Um, it starts off with um, Qui Gon informing the High Council of his first fight with Darth Maul on Tatooine after um, taking uh, Anakin under his wing. So after that fight, Qui Gon alerts the High Council of a Sith Lord, you know, being around. And they ultimately just some people don't believe him, you know. And uh, Dooku warns Quagon that the council will not take him seriously, and they didn't. And this leads to, I guess, his death, Quagon's death, um, and actually shows Dooku's how he took Quagon's death, and he took it pretty hard. Um, I guess you could say he might have blamed the council for not believing him and not sending backup or, you know, at the time. Um, I, and we could see um, a scene right after Quagon's death and um, Dooku is sitting at a tree at uh, the Jedi Temple. And this tree is very important because to Dooku because it was Quagon's favorite spot in the temple because Quagon was born on Quagosan. And I don't know if this was um, explained earlier, you know, maybe in books or whatever of where Qui-Gon was born. But this is my first time finding out where he was born. He was born in Coruscant. And for those who don't know Coruscant, it was uh, pretty much the capital city of the Jedi. Um, the city where all the um, buildings are spacious flying around you know the big big city and apparently that looking it up uh let's look it up actually so looking it up Coruscant has a population of approximately two trillion people so Qui-Gon was one of those two trillion people born on Coruscant and Coruscant is a strictly city planet meaning no forests, no vegetation. I mean, of course, vegetation, you know, you can, people gotta eat and all that, but you know, no plant life is just strictly a city planet. And that tree was on the, at the Jedi Temple was uh, Qui-Gon's favorite spot because he had never seen plant life or a tree up until that moment he became a Jedi and all that. So that was his favorite spot and we could see Dooku at the tree at the, um, after Qui-Gon's death and the leaves are falling off, which was, I guess, very symbolic to what just happened and maybe even the fall of the Jedi Order in the future. So that was a very powerful moment. It, for me, it definitely showcased the relationship that Qui-Gon and Dooku had. In, it really felt like a father-son relationship to me because you just gotta think like at the age of some of these Padawans when they're put on a when they're they, when they meet their master they're you know they can't be younger than 10 you know when they're when they're put with a master and that master I feel like becomes a pretty much a, a parent figure to that person um, you can see it with uh, Obi-Wan. Oh, yeah, you can see it earlier than that. Earlier with um, Qui-Gon Obi-Wan. 
Qui-Gon and Anakin. Anakin, uh, Qui-Gon was going to be that father figure to Anakin, and the fact that Qui-Gon died just, kind of, in my opinion, just pretty much tipped over the first domino to, to leading Anakin to the dark side because he didn't have that father figure to help guide him to the path of light. I mean, yes, he had Obi-Wan, and early on, Obi-Wan was a father figure, but he kind of turned into that brother who kind of enabled him who enabled Anakin or at least gave Anakin a lot of leeway to, to have his relationship with Padme and to do the things that he did. So I kind of feel like the fact that Obi-Wan was seen as that brother, not a father to Anakin, that kind of didn't really help the situation. Um, going on to that episode, we see um, Yaddle. Now, Yaddle is the same species as Yoda, you know, the female version of Yoda. We only see her on the first episode of Phantom Menace uh, on the council. She's a member of the High Council. And we don't see her again after the Phantom Menace. And, um, you know, if you're really paying attention or you really care, you're sitting there like, uh, what happened to Yaddle? Is she gone? Is she dead? She was, besides Phantom Menace, after Phantom Menace the movie, she was not seen or heard of again. And this episode of Tales of the Jedi, it explains what happened to Yaddle. Um, we see her in the beginning um, talking with uh, Dooku after Qui-Gon's first battle with Darth Maul. And she's one of the Jedi who don't really fully believe Qui-Gon when he comes to tell everybody that there's a Sith Lord running around. So... It kind of, she's one of the ones that are kind of skeptical about it. But after Qui-Gon's death, of course, you, we don't really have any choice but to believe him now. You know, he's dead. <laughs> Obi-Wan was there. He, they all fought. They, you know, it, it's obvious to sit their back. Um, I guess sensing, I guess, let me, let me rewind. Because we also get to see some uh, little behind the scenes of Attack of the Clones show to where we see when um, Obi-Wan is searching for the planet Kamino, he finds out that it's been deleted from the database. And we never really know who does it until this episode. And we've come to find out that Count Dooku is the one who deleted Kamino from the database in order to cover his track tracks with the whole clone army, Order 66 plan and everything like that. So he deletes it. Um, of course, gets doesn't get caught, <laughs> you know, doesn't secretly. So he's our, at this episode. He's already kind of making his. He's already kind of working with Palpatine. He isn't really exactly his apprentice yet, but he's kind of he's using Palpatine in a way as a means to end to kind of do his own little work. I, I I don't know what to what end. Maybe he was trying to eventually get his own spot on the council I'm not really sure but he was uh, working with him and um, like I said after Qui-Gon's death uh, Dooku is pretty much I guess you could say he's at this point he's kind of done with the Jedi council at least he's he's on the way out and uh, we see Dooku fly out to um, meet Palpatine and uh, unknown to him Yaddle is actually following him 
So I guess at this point you can kind of assume what is going to happen with Yaddle, but they're going to show it. So uh, with the meeting with uh, Palpatine, uh, Dooku comes in and he wants answers. He's he um, walks up to Palpatine, asks him what happened, or what uh, he took. He's angry with Palpatine because Darth Maul just killed his only apprentice. You know his his friend. His you know he was like a son to him. I feel like so. He's like, uh, what that was supposed to happen? Qui-Gon was not supposed to die, and you know, we can all agree Qui-Gon should not have died <laughs> because the fact that Qui-Gon did die just caused everything bad to happen that happened in the Star Wars universe. I feel like, like I said, it was the domino piece, the first domino piece to fall in the story of Darth Vader. So, and. Palpatine's response to that was, uh, you lost their apprentice and I lost their apprentice because, you know, Darth Maul was defeated as well. Not killed, but we'll find that out later. He was defeated, so uh, according to Palpatine, he, he's like, we're square, you know, we're good. Um, they're talking for a little bit and then Yaddle reveals herself. Like, I heard everything you were saying. I know what you were doing. I know y'all, y'all two have been working together. And at this point, Dooku is kind of backed into a corner. Um, he's stuck between the point where it's like, okay, I've been caught, you know, I've been caught talking to the Dark Lord, um, the Dark uh, Sith Lord. So I could either go back with Yaddle and face the consequences of my actions, or I could kill Yaddle right here and fall fully into the dark side. And, um, that's what he does. He, he he eventually decides to fight Yaddle, and um, after which he defeats her, kills her, and that's when he makes his final step to the dark side to become Count Dooku, Lord. Was it Darth Tyrannus? I think that's his Sith name. So, the final episode of Dooku's story, he he makes his final steps to the dark side. And we see every little step that led to that moment. And I really enjoyed his um, his story, his his background. Really enjoyed learning from it. Um, just a little behind the scenes, the relationships he had with Yaddle, with Qui-Gon. Um, I wish we would have got to see probably a little bit, maybe some scenes from his older self maybe reflecting on the past maybe showing that he had some regrets I mean I'm sure he did have his regrets but towards the end of his life he kind of just accepted that, that what he did was what he did you know but um that like I said that that would do it for um Tales of the Jedi uh at least season one of what we saw and all that uh, like I said, I, I definitely enjoyed Count Dooku's story a little bit more than Ahsoka's just because Ahsoka's was kind of already been told. It was just kind of a little bit of filler in a way. As as far as uh, Count Dooku goes, we didn't really hear much from him or didn't really know much about him. 
So it was great to see those little background scenes of what he was like before the turn and all that stuff. Um, before we skip over to Andor, uh, I do want to discuss some Jedi I would like to see highlighted if there is a season two of Tales of the Jedi. Um, some of these maybe you might not like because, <laughs> you know, those might not be your favorite characters, but these are my characters that I want to see highlighted more in the future. Uh, first would be Mace Windu. I know he was featured in one episode of Tales already, but I really want to see him as a little bit younger, you know, maybe probably making his first starts as a Jedi with his master. Maybe see, because I really want to see how he got went about, you know, balancing between light and dark because he has that purple lightsaber and that is a sign. But, you know, of course, the fight between light and dark. So I want to see how he was able to control that, how he was able to harness that energy into making, into getting that lightsaber, all that stuff. Um, why he sold by the book. I mean, I'm assuming he's just a devout Jedi, but, you know, I really want to see his character explored more. Um, another one for me is Finn. Um, Finn played by uh, John Boyega. Um, he was featured in the sequel trilogy, um, the newest ones that came out. Uh, not a lot of people liked them. I mean, I, I can get into that later, but I, I actually... I enjoyed them for what they were, you know, I knew, of course, they're not uh, nearly as good as the original trilogy. One can say they might not be as good as the prequel trilogy, but for what they were, I enjoyed it. It had its ups and downs. Um, some things I didn't like, some things I did like, some characters I didn't like, some characters I did like. Finn was one of the characters I did like. Um, I really would have liked for him, his character to be highlighted more in that trilogy um the fact that he was force sensitive and he never blatantly said it or it was never said ever you know it was only said by the writers or directors at the end of the you know at the end of things like i thought that was dumb uh, there's something that they really missed on but um yes finn is another character i would like to see highlighted in tales of the jedi just to see his training to become a jedi um what he goes through I, even if it's like like how they did with ahsoka early on you know he was um taken from his family as a kid made a clone trooper a clone trooper a stormtrooper and pretty much you know forced to fight so i would love to see you know scenes of that and scenes of him training maybe even scenes in the middle of the war you know where he was fighting you know some of the things we didn't see so I'd love to see that. Um, who else I would I like to see? I wouldn't mind seeing some Sith um, being highlighted. I know it's called Tales of the Jedi, but I mean, technically, I mean, Count Dooku was a Jedi, but you know, I would like to see some of the Sith um, be highlighted. I mean, I know Darth Maul was kind of got his, his limelight during Clone Wars. Um, but uh, some people, I mean, we we know a lot all about Darth Vader. We pretty much know his background, so that's we don't need to see that. But you know, some Sith maybe Ventress would be dope to see. Um, even Palpatine, I'd love to see him young, uh, killing his master. You know, stories like that. Um, Grievous, General Grievous. You know, characters like that. You know that 
badass characters that you know in terms of background we haven't seen a whole lot of I'd love to see um but uh yeah um Yoda is another one I mean Yoda is part of that you know that number one answer I feel like of all the Jedi people want to know the origin story of it's probably Yoda you know why does he talk like that what what did he go through when he was older because by the time of his death um damn near a thousand years old probably so he's lived a long long life so it'll be interesting to see what happened during that life um so yeah those are some of the jedi that i would love to see um like i said obi-wan obi-wan is one of my favorite if not my favorite jedi but you know we've seen a little bit of you know i i am curious to see maybe um early on uh maybe him early on when he um first joined the jedi order with him and qui-gon some missions there that would be dope to see so um things like that would be uh, I think that'll do it for Tales of the Jedi. I rambled for about an hour. I did not think I was going to be talking this long about Tales of the Jedi. But here we are. Um, because I've been yapping so long about Tales of the Jedi, I'm probably going to cut this um, and or discussion short. Or at least try to keep it short. Alright, and now we have Andor. Andor is a brief little description. Andor is the, I wouldn't say origin story. I guess you could say origin. I mean, it's the background story of one of the main characters of uh, one of, well, my favorite Star Wars film, Rogue One, uh, Cassian Andor. Um, So pretty much this, story is about Cassian Andor and his lead up to the beginning of his connection with the Rebel Alliance to his eventual death at the um the end of Rogue One. So um how is different from other Star Wars shows? In my opinion, let me start by saying this this is my I think, in my opinion, it's the best um, Star Wars show out right now. Um, I know some of you might not like that. <laughs> some know some of you who prefer Mandalorian or, well, I'll say live action. Um, some people might say uh, Mandalorian is the, is the best one. I would have said that, but the writing and the acting is so good in Andor. I have to put Andor on top. And that doesn't mean Mandalorian is a bad show, in my opinion. It's a great show. I love it. Um, I think both shows offer something different. Mandalorian offers that um, nostalgia, brings back the characters, has action, adventure. Whereas Andor is definitely more grounded, um, darker, more serious, uh, more adult in my opinion um with all things which i love in the show uh you know especially in the star wars like that's why one of the reasons why i love rogue one so much because it felt so 
so gritty, you know, especially the last scene when they were on Scarab. Like that whole whole scene just I was so it was so tense and it felt like the whole time I was just on the edge of my seat just not knowing what was gonna happen. Um and it's not like I don't get that way for other shows or um movies or anything, but Rogue One just hits different, you know. Like I said, it's, it's my favorite Star Wars film, so um at first hearing about Andor and that they were gonna make a show about Cassie and Andor, I'm not gonna lie, I was a bit skeptical. I was like, eh, I don't really care for it. I mean, even going, even watching Rogue One, Andor's character, I mean, he wasn't someone, to me anyway, that stood out. He was just, your, he did great, um, don't get me wrong. His character was great. You know, his character was great, the way he betrayed it. Um, Diego Luna, that's the guy who plays Cassie and Andor, he's a great actor. I just didn't really connect with him, I guess, during Rogue One. And when I found out he was getting a movie, I mean, a show, I was just like, uh, okay. I wasn't 100% on board. Um, and I even decided not to look at trailers for this show because I, I wanted to see, I wanted to go in with kind of low expectations not seeing much i wanted to be surprised what from what i see you know not expecting to see something from a trailer show up you know throughout the whole series um and i gotta say the more the closer it came to re the release date the more excited i became for it and when it finally released watching that first episode man i was hooked they released the first three episodes actually um on the first uh, release day and I was hooked. So, um, like I said, this is set five years before Rogue One. So five years before A New Hope, because at the end of Rogue One is the beginning of A New Hope. Um, so far, um, it's been great. Like I said, uh, it's been a slow build uh, and a lot of people don't like that. And that, that's kind of the main gripe I'm getting for Endor is that it's a slow build and some Star Wars fans or some action fans aren't here for that. Um, Sebastian, uh, one of the other guys, T4 guys, um, he just recently got into Star Wars and he was telling me how he loved uh, Tales of the Jedi. We talked about that a little bit in the past podcast episode. Um, he enjoyed that. Um, he's kind of hesitant with Andor because it, of the slow, how slow it is and how slow of a burn it is. Which I get it, you know, some people are here for the action and, you know, the blasters, lightsaber duels and all that, which I respect it. I mean, when you, when you think Star Wars, you immediately think lightsabers, explosions, you know, Star Wars, you know, so I get it. But I'm a fan of the slow grind, the slow burn, as long as it's good, you know, as long as the action's good, it tends, you know, it tends, you know, it keeps me on the edge of my seat, all that. So Andor is definitely that show, if that's what you're looking for. Another gripe that I've heard is, is that there is a lack of Star Wars in this Star Wars show. And I get it, you know, I will admit to you guys right now that you will not see a Stormtrooper at all until episode seven. Now, some people might not like that. Some people, you know, 
may be a refresher to some people because they might be stone troopered out. I don't know. <laughs> but I didn't mind it. You know, I definitely noticed it when the first Stormtrooper <laughs> showed up. I was like, oh, okay, we finally get a Stormtrooper. But it's not like we didn't see any, you know, TIE fighters or actual Imperial soldiers or officers walking around. It's just, you know, it was just a lack of that Stormtrooper, some droids here and there and all that. So, um, we get, uh... A lack of Star Wars, I, I wouldn't even say is a bad thing, you know? It just shows how grounded the, the show is. You know, how it's not trying to rely on, you know, ooh, the lightsaber fights, ooh, the famous ships or vehicles or even characters. Like, they, they've showed um, Mon Mothma she is a very important character to the Rebel Alliance. She's a senator at first, but um, she's featured in uh, the original trilogy. Her character, she was in Rogue One. Um, I want to say she was in Rebels and some other stuff. Um, but she's a very important character to the one of the leaders of the Rebel Alliance. Um, she's in there. Um, who else? Uh, it was I can't think of the guy's name on top of my head. Um, he was featured in Clone Wars. Um, he's also in there. You know, he was uh, one of the the commanders of a uh, of the clone army. He's now he's now an Imperial officer, but he was formerly a clone um, clone officer, a public officer. He's in there. Um, some mentions of Palpatine here and there, but nothing shown. There's been a whole bunch of Easter eggs um, off the bat. I know we've gotten Star Killers helmet, gotten some random. Uh, we actually got an Indiana Jones reference in, in Andor, which is weird, but not weird because Lucas Films and all that. But uh, so it's been a handful of Easter eggs and all that, but no real. You know, no real strong Star Wars, you know, boom, there's Darth Vader, you know, there's Palpatine, there's Obi-Wan, nothing like that. And I'm not mad about it because it's telling its own story, you know, and I feel like it doesn't need to have these huge popular characters to, you know, to show that it's Star Wars. It can show these also important characters, but maybe not as popular characters. You know, you can show these important people and how they were, you know, how they impacted the rebellion or how they impacted the empire or how, you know, where they were during all this. Um, so just a brief little description or at least a story so far of Andor. Um, we show Cassian, um, he's pretty much... A low life. He's he's a liar. He's a cheater. He breaks the law. Um, all this, you know, just to make him buy. Uh, we in the first episode we get him searching for his long lost sister. Uh, he gets caught off caught up with uh, two ISB employees, pretty much the police of the sector galaxy or whatever. Um, they get in a little tussle and he kills them. And immediately after that, he is a wanted man. 
And this leads to a whole list of problems pretty much for Andor. Um, from there, he gets involved with the police, eventually the Empire, after he, um, him and a rebel operative called Luthen, um, after they get together and comes to find out that um, what Andor has stolen, he stole, he steals a piece of Imperial equipment, very important. It shows the location of a lot of things, a lot of information. And uh, Luthen wants this for the Rebel Alliance. Um, once he meets with Andor in order to purchase this item, he comes to realize, you know what, Andor, you're the more important, <laughs> you know, item in this exchange. You know, he wants Andor's skill, um, his skill as a pilot, his skill as a thief, all that. So they eventually work together in order to rob um, an Imperial base. He wants to rob their entire quarterly pay for a whole sector in order to fund a rebellion. Um, at first, of course, Andor is reluctant, but he's a wanted man and he's short on money, so he kind of has to do it. Um, like I said, this is me skipping through a lot of the dialogue and slow burn to get to the crazy parts, but uh, he eventually pulls off the heist, you know, with a lot of um, casualties on his side and the other side, you know, he loses friends and he kills people who were going to betray the Rebel Alliance and all that, And um, but they eventually pull off the heist and get the money. And as a result, this causes the Empire to really choke down on the general public. So as a result, all those who have prison sentences, their sentences were extended. Um, the grip on the galaxy has been tightened, meaning uh, a lot of uh, places were on lockdown, um, can't go in and out, in, in or out of these places. As I said, these prison sentences are being extended to pretty much, you know, slave labor. Like these prisoners are becoming slaves. Like they, they're just there to work and die, you know? And we see that after um, Andor is eventually picked up. Now, actually going, let me go back because, because of this heist, the grip on the, um, the, the general public is so tight that Andor is arrested not because of the the heist he went off, it's just because he looked suspicious. This man was walking, minding his own business, looking around. Granted, yeah, he was looking around, looking kind of weird, but I mean, the man was looking around. You can't get arrested for that, right? Wrong. <laughs> not the Empire. So he he walks past uh, a trooper, and that trooper stops him, tells him he's looking suspicious. Why are you looking around? Are you with them? Are you a part of the plan and all that? And meanwhile, Endor's is like, dude, I'm just walking. What are you talking about? Um, so because of this, um, he's sent, he's arrested, uh, put on trial. The judge tells him he is being arrested or tried for speaking out against the empire and other, you know, bullshit charges so she tells him normally this would have been a six month sentence but because of um the heist that he pulled off with other rebels 
and because the empire is tightening his grip and becoming more ruthless, she says, oh no, you're getting six years in prison. So yeah, he gets sent to prison for six years and um, that's where we find him in these most recent episodes. The last two episodes he was in prison. Um, and in this prison, uh, the, f- the only way he's getting out is escaping. Because as I said, prison sentences have been extended and um, you, you find out eventually, uh, spoiler alert for those who have who are watching or not caught up, this is my warning, um, you find out that the ones that are being released aren't exactly being released. So let's say my sentence runs out. Um, they're gonna release me from whatever floor I'm on of the prison or cell block, whatever you wanna call it. They're gonna release me from there and they're gonna put me in another one. So you're not gonna get out of this prison. You're just gonna get rotated to another unit and sent back to work. And because of this, um, once they come to realize this, Endor and fellow prisoners, this is where we are gonna set our escape from this prison. Uh, And I guess that will be highlighted in the next episode come Wednesday. Um, I'm watching this on, I'm watching, I'm recording this on a Monday, so. Once that episode releases, um, who knows? I might talk about it then. But um, that's where we we are leaving Andor. Um, his plot to break out of prison because he's not going to get out unless you break. There's, oh, there's no way of getting out of that prison. You're either going to die from working too hard, die from the prison guards killing you, or you know you're just not going to get out. So that's the only way you're going to get out is uh, escaping. So we're gonna see that um, in the next episode, hopefully soon. It's been a slow build, but like I said, I've been enjoying every episode. Um, some episodes have been kind of um, weaker than others, but when I say weak, I mean, you know, still great, you know? So comparison to other episodes. So overall, I'm loving it. Like I said, it's my favorite live action Star Wars show out there right now. I'm sorry, Mandalorian. I'm, you know, we'll see how you come next season. But at least for me, it's my favorite. I'm enjoying every minute of it. I'm loving Star Wars. Um, uh, I think that'll do it for this episode. I've been going on long enough. I do want to talk about future plans in terms of Star Wars, in terms of being related to Star Wars. Um, uh, I, I would love to continue talking about Star Wars because I can actually sit down and just go on for, you know, I've been going off for about an hour and 15 this episode. I'll probably cut it down a little bit, but um, I, I do want to discuss some of the future plans for Star Wars, like future shows, future movies, um, which is just, just how, you know, just, just, you know, just recording along the way, um, whenever things come back up, eventually I want to you know, I'm, I want to do some reaction videos on YouTube. Um, I'm going to work towards that. Uh, of course, once if those go smoothly, eventually I, w- I will uh, record some of the um, the newer shows. Uh, Acolyte, uh, 
Skeleton Crew that's coming out. Mando season three that's dropping. Ahsoka. So all those shows, I, I would love to do a little reaction series for those, or at the very least, discuss it on future podcast episodes, but uh, just me. Or uh, eventually, you know, I'll throw some uh, Sebastian, uh, Moe, Marcus, they're all Star Wars fans. Um, I will admit, probably not as big a Star Wars fan as me, because <laughs> I'm sitting here talking for an hour about Star Wars, but Star Wars for fans nonetheless. But um, that'll do it for this special Star Wars episode. I hope you guys enjoyed. You uh, ladies and gents enjoyed. Um, I hope that you will continue to support the fourth Ronin in our various endeavors as we continue to grow our um, our fan base. You know, and uh, I'd like to thank everybody for the continuing support that you have showed so far. Um, it's been great. We have no plans of stopping. At least I don't. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they don't either. So we'll continue to throw out content for many days to come. Until the next time, hope you guys enjoyed. This is Alan signing out. <laughs>